What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. I'm Ben. And we are here to bring you our opinion on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 122. For the first time in, feels like forever, recording in the same place. Undisclosed location in the northeastern United States. Um, seems like one of us has been uh, remote for, God, it feels like four or five, six weeks now. Yeah, so. at least. Uh, that does present some different audio challenges, being the area we record, but uh, it's good to have you here in person. Good to be here. Uh, we have some some fun stuff today on the show. We have two new, not really segments, because we don't have any in-between music to break it off, so it's really just part of the same big show. Yeah. But uh, we received a request uh, from a fan, and I don't know if this fan wants their name mentioned, so I won't, but if you're listening, you know who you are, uh, to get a little bit more NHL talk on the show. Now, full disclosure, yours truly knows about as much about hockey as I do about uh, advanced level calculus. So this is going to be Ben's thing, and I am going to be sitting back like the clueless fan just trying to find out what in the hell he's talking about. And Chris, I picked a subject where I think we can both be involved. Yeah, you explained a little bit to me. You didn't break it down totally because I wanted to be surprised and give genuine reaction. But, yep, you did, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I want to learn. I want to learn. And I'm a man of the people. So I wanted to give the people what they wanted. We always, hey, we always say, if you have any questions or re-questions, <laughs> questions or requests, let us know. Somebody reached out to us, so we want to make sure people know we're listening. Uh, on the flip side of that, uh, I don't know much about hockey, but I know a lot about baseball. So I'm going to bring up every episode. It's not always going to be something big. Yeah. These, these two things, Ben's hockey and my baseball. Could be a, a five, six-minute conversation. Could be less than that. Could be a lot more. Could be a deep-dive topic. But I'll bring up something relevant to Major League Baseball at the time. Could be a fun fact. Could be a cool story. Same as Ben, but it'll be about baseball and not hockey. Unsurprisingly, we have some more NFL free agent talk. Uh, we have the second wave of free agents that were signed. Uh, some very quickly after we wrapped up our free agent special last week, which I hope you all enjoyed. Um, First... Uh, this we were gonna do this last this segment last because we weren't really sure we even wanted to bring it up because of the nature of it we tried to do some more lighthearted stuff or even if it's not necessarily lighthearted or fun not on the serious real life side of things uh there's enough places to find that kind of stuff but it is a big story and just anybody out there who knows where we're going with this when we say deshaun watson's name um we're not going to get graphic. If you have kids in the room, we're not. There's nothing that's going to make them not be able to listen. Uh, we are going to say what allegedly happened, but we're not going to get into details that would make it uncomfortable. Um, because truth be told, not a lot of details are known right now. Uh, last few months when we brought up Deshaun Watson, it's been trade discussion. Right. Uh, this, however, is is much more different and uh, much different. And much more serious. Uh, as of the time of this recording, there are 14 women. It's gone up and already? Yeah, it's 16 right now. 16 women who have accused Deshaun Watson of, at this point, just being called sexual misconduct. Um, which is a wide array of potential things. Uh, man, this is... It's real, so we got to bring it up, but not not the kind of thing that's you know easy to talk about. 
I think I can just urge people if you want to listen to me on anything on this episode, don't jump the gun in either direction. Don't jump the gun. Don't assume because he's a rich, powerful athlete, he's guilty. And don't assume because he's a rich, powerful athlete that these women are just chasing glory. Could be somewhere in the middle. Deshaun Watson may have done all of it. Sean Watson may have done some of it, and some of them are hopping on to try to get their name in the news. I don't know. And without more information, it's not fair for me to sit there and question anyone's character. Obviously, if it comes out that these things are true, uh, he needs to be punished at the maximum extent he can be. At this point, Deshaun Watson has denied all the allegations. Um, and if you, if you want to find out what they are, you can find them online. We're not going to break them down here. It's not the place for it. But, uh, not surprisingly, if it's found to be credible, uh, police will get involved, and then that's a whole other can of worms. And uh, as I said, the NFL is doing an investigation. Insert laugh track here, whatever that's worth. Um, <laughs> they also investigated Ray Rice, and they came up with a uh, opposite uh, result as to what the actual videotape showing him doing what he did said. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, we're not going to spend too much time on it. Just wanted to report it. Uh, if there's anything of substance to update, we will update you as we find out more. Um, anything on this? or I would just say right now it's a civil suit. Yeah. I know it's 16, but 16 civil right. suits. Nothing so criminal nothing, as of yet. Nothing there. Um, I, th- I, would, I would say I would echo Chris's words on this. Be consistent on this uh, with every situation – um, like this pops up, whatever, yeah. what, whatever the situation has that, that you need to hear both sides of the story. Right. Um, you can still believe, um, what you believe, but I, I, I think you should respect each individuals or individuals in this case on one side and an individual on the other side. You can, you can give them uh, the respect to hear their side, um, but I think before we jump the gun, like you yeah. said, on either side, you want to hear the whole thing. You want to hear what is is the case. What is the what is going on? And and look, early on there was a a conspiracy theory that this may be something by the uh, Houston Texans front office. But I think that theory's pretty much shot down oh now. yeah and, and by the way you won that bet because he ain't going anywhere yeah he ain't he ain't going anywhere no. i mean ob- obviously the, the 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 fate of his football future is not nearly as important as the real life situation but from the football standpoint no one's trading for him now no one's giving up three first round picks plus <clears throat> players maybe potentially more for a guy that might hell if this all comes fully around yeah you could be talking jail time you could you could be talking nothing if it's found out to have no bad, no, uh, no substance to it. But either way, no one's going to step in this now. So no. Deshaun Watson will be, whether he's on the field or not, a member of the Houston Texans because no one is going to deal with this until it's solved. And even after that, you're still going to have some teams that keep their distance. Yeah, I, I would say, I would say to Deshaun at this point, um, Deshaun, if you get past this. I don't know about free and clear, but as clear as you can get, um, 
stop with the I want to trade. I want to go somewhere yeah. else. Because every other team is going to try to find some way to, to fill their void in another manner. And they're not going to want you there. It stinks because he's a great quarterback. Sure. Um, one of the top in the league. But this this just does hurt his value um, on the field. Um, I wish him luck, and I hope um, I hope the truth comes out. Whatever the truth, yeah, exactly. In this situation yep. is, um, yeah. But that's all I got to say on it. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Just whatever whatever the legitimate truth is, just let that let let that come out, and um, just. Until you find out enough to form an opinion, just don't jump the gun. Just my advice, but we're all free to do what we'd like. Right. All right. Now on to something much more lighthearted, what we like to do here on this show. New segment, Ben Ben, ben talking some hockey. Right. Chris is going to pretend to try to know what he's talking about here, but uh, what, do you, what do you got for us? Like what, a, in the world of the NHL. So so we're in we're in around the midseason right now, and um, – I think, and I'll, I'll be very. I didn't even know what season started. Uh, yeah. I'm not even kidding you. I'm not. So I'll be transparent. I, I have a very, very busy schedule, as you know, and yeah. and, and some people around me know. I have a very busy schedule. Um, so it's tough to keep track of everything. So I haven't been able to keep too much track of the um, the hockey season. I did get to watch the Bruins' first game of the season fully, uh, but that's about it. Um, but. The topic I picked out is interesting. I just kind of, it kind of just appeared out of nowhere. Um, and it, it's an interesting way of, of, of trying to, you're trying to help teams that are in last place in the same breath. You're trying to make tanking, a consistent tanking, um, a thing of the past. And right, I, I like it. I when like I mean it. consistent, I mean like two, three, four years. Yeah. Think of the Astros before they got got going. What was it like? Three or four drafts? They were like top two. Oh yeah, yeah. So the NHL has a, a draft lottery, much like the NBA. Okay. Um, Which I know, per- I actually personally really like that. Honestly, it That's is a much good. better way than just reverse record. And, and some teams, um, you have a chance to to hop all the way to the top. You, obviously, depending on where you, I'm not going to bring down the the percentages and all that, but you know. You start with the, the, the 15th team, and then you work your way to the, the first uh, pick in the draft. Um, you'll have a percentage chance to move up in the draft, and uh, I think you have to get all the way to, like, 9 or 8 to have a chance to jump to the number one. What What happened last year was the Red Wings had the worst record. And you asked me, is because last memory of the Red Wings was they were a really good team. And yeah, from the last time I remember paying any attention to hockey, they were a powerhouse. So they've been kind of lukewarm recently. Um, and then last year they, they kind of bottomed out. But they got jumped by three teams. So they got the fourth pick in the draft. Now, as I explained to you, in, the, in hockey, an 18-year-old can make incredible impact. And and you can get you can get impact in the first round up and down, but um, especially in the first t- two to three picks, you can have this epic kid come out and just set the world on fire. Right. I, I recognize Austin Austin Meadows a couple weeks. Austin Meadows Austin Matthews. Austin Meadows is the catcher. 
Could be a good hockey player too. We don't know. He, he could be. Could be a great hockey player. But Austin Matthews came in and um, he was uh, God. I want to say it was one of the Canadian teams. I want to say it's a uh, um, Montreal or or Toronto uh, drafted him, and he's been great since he stepped on the ice. Uh, same as uh, Jack Eichel with the Buffalo Sabers, stepped on the ice, but he was a college kid. What I'm trying to get at, Chris, because he may as well be speaking Spanish. <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is uh, <laughs> no bueno. If you're the Red Wings and you expect you were expecting to get the first pick and you got the fourth pick, that's a big shift. Big deal, right? Oh yeah. <clears throat> Much like the NBA, where usually you have your well, and any sport really, you have your marquee guys at top, and then right. once. Sometimes you have, you know, five, five, six real talented players, more so in football. Right. But when NBA, like, who was drafted after LeBron James when he was drafted? Right. Yeah, there you go. Like, he was the marquee guy. And then after that, well, he kind of had to make some good choices. It's like like this NFL draft. You have Trevor Lawrence. And then no no knock on on, on Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields will be great. Uh, But – Think of it this way: If Justin Fields went second, and you're the fourth team, now you have to pick whatever you think of Zach Wilson. But um, but now you have to start thinking right. where you're going to go, and you don't have that marquee lock-in guy. So what they're going to do is they're um, you can't. So for a five-year stretch, you can't move up. More than twice in that five-year stretch. And what okay. does that mean? It means, like, these teams, uh, so the Rangers, the Kings, Los Angeles Kings, and the Ottawa Senators all moved up uh, be- just by because the Red Wings got the fourth uh, fourth pick. Okay. So in a in the new plan, in the new, in the new system, a five-year span, you cannot move up more than, more than twice. So say the Red Wings suck again next year, or however they're doing this year, yeah, and they end up getting the third pick next year, right? That means three is as high as they can go. No, 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 because they didn't move up. What do you mean move up? What do you mean through trade? No, moved up as in your slot. You were you had the fourth. Let's let's take the um, let's take the Ottawa Senators. I'm okay. pretty sure they would have been the fourth team. They moved up to the third, third, third pick. Okay. So in a five-year span, they could only do that one more time. So if they got lucky and they moved up a third time. Okay, so where they would have been record-wise. Right. But because Detroit ended up with the lottery being fourth. Right. Everyone up, moved okay, up. Okay, I got you. Okay. So all these teams that moved up. They can only move up one more time in a five-year well, span. I'll tell you, this is confusing and convoluted. Um, you're making it relatively simple to understand. I appreciate that because, you know, um, I when it comes to hockey, I fell yeah. from the stupid tree and had every branch on the way down. So <laughs> it's just fitting that it's hockey because I don't understand the NHL worth a damn, and that's confusing and convoluted too. So it all really fits. It's trying to – what it's trying to do – uh, is trying to get a good player on every team, which I can I can respect. You you want talent throughout all your teams. You don't want, unlike the NBA, who start is at the point where there's super teams all over the place, and then you have the bottom feeders. Um, and unfortunately, I believe in in player power, but the NBA has 
has become way, yeah. way yeah. too much. Yeah. Um, I like this because the point is, for one season, uh, if you're bad, you should be you should get try to as much as possible be able to get that top pick. Right. And if you're bad consistently, then you're penalized because you can't move up. So if you're the four, if you're this uh, Ottawa Senators and you've been bad and you got the fourth pick again, or actually if you had the sixth pick and you've already moved up twice, then guess what? You can't move up again. You're the sixth pick. You probably can move lower, but you can't move up. Right. So now the percentages increase for those teams above or team above. Okay. It benefits to the the entire hockey league to get the talent spread out as much as you can. Yeah, and I, I would say that that's good, especially in a sport that I think probably could use a little more exposure, especially in America, than they have. I don't know what the ratings are, but I know when we did our our uh, our sport court for baseball, I know you know NHL rankings were 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 dead last for the four major sports. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's good because now it's not a lock. Okay, you're the worst team. You just get the number one pick. Because I mean. <laughs> A lot of times we see that not even really help. I mean, Cleveland and, and the NFL was awful for a long time. They got several number one picks and were usually in the top five perennially. Right. And it very rarely ever helped them. But you had great players going to a crap team, not able to show what they could really do. And, uh, yeah, I think that, that's, that's good. I like that. It distributes it a little bit more. Um, you got a good chance of getting a high pick, but you're not guaranteed the first pick. So that's uh, that's that's gonna stop you from tanking intentionally. Hopefully, I over mean, over multiple years. Over multiple years, exactly right. <clears throat> it behooves you as an organization to spend money on free agents and build the draft and build good teams, trades, everything you expect your franchise that you root for to do. That's good. I like that. I like that. And that's uh that's a good topic considering I gave you maybe about what half an hour to an hour before we started recording. So I was like, Hey, you're gonna do a hockey segment. How's that sound? Well, like, I, thought All I, right. wanted, I wanted to give you something that you could participate in. I didn't want oh, to I go, like it. I like it. You know, you know, shoulder deep into the the pool and just say, Hey Chris, by the way, we're gonna talk about uh, a trade breakdown between the, the Habs and the uh, the bees. You can do it, and I'll just mystery science theater nine thousand and just make comments here and there. I think I think our listeners would be entertained by that too, because I'm just sit over here and be a dumbass, right? As opposed to you know normal. <clears throat> so so, are we are we gonna are we getting the uh, fantasy advocate now? Well, you know this this is kind of uh, there's a little there's a little uh, maybe some of you don't know that, but I. Uh, what late last year, mm-hmm. I started doing a second podcast, my a solo podcast, called the uh, Fantasy Sports or Fantasy Football Advocate, and uh, I loved doing. I really did, but I just had between online school and and traveling Time. Time. and just it, yeah, it was like it was just it wasn't structured the way I wanted to, and I kept changing things, so I kind of just put it off to the side. I do plan on going back to it, uh, but I, I just I didn't. It was I couldn't let this podcast suffer mm-hmm. for it, so I had to put it. I had to put that off to the side. 
But I'm kind of hoping, actually, because a large amount of what I do talk in baseball during the baseball season will be fantasy-related. It's obviously going to be some stories and stuff like that, too, or some fun facts or things that aren't really, um, you know, full story on the rundown material. Uh, but for today, I kind of wanted to get into uh, just say a little bit about fantasy baseball, considering if you play fantasy baseball, uh, now is about the time, the next now to about you know maybe a week or so from now, a lot of fantasy baseball drafts are happening. I myself, I used to, Ben and I used to be in one. Uh, unfortunately, um, just the, the player total kept dwindling. We went from eight to six to five. We had four one year, and then it gets to the point now where it's three or four of us, and it's like, well, it's not really. I mean, every, every team's an all-star team. Right. It's which team hit 15 home runs that night and which team hit 12. It's, <laughs> it's kind of – it takes a little bit of strategy out of it, which takes some of the fun out of it. But I myself have my fantasy baseball draft tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Wish me luck. Although, if you've seen my keepers on my team, I don't know how much luck I'm going to need. Uh, ben actually walked in on me doing some prep earlier. I had the whole uh, the computer hooked up with the HDMI onto the TV because my eyes are crap, and there's no way I can stare at the small computer screen for hours. But I, I am in a 10-team auction-style keeper league, and it is extremely competitive. Uh, I actually, for the first time ever, kept all 11 players I can keep because we did a draft differently last year, and, and the way it broke down, I can't – if I get into it, I'll nerd out, and it'll be a 25-minute conversation. So but I just see, I got some really, really good players at really, really good values I, for this year. I think so. there'd be one que- – if if we had an audience, I think there'd be one question they would have. Um, could you briefly explain auction draft? Oh, yeah. Okay, auction draft is um, you, you just have a point total, essentially. You can call it whatever you want, dollars, points, whatever. And somebody – it's different than a snake draft. Usually there is a snake order to it which is, you know, whoever picks first, picks last, picks last, picks first. Uh, and somebody will nominate a player. Like, uh, I happen to, I've had the foresight to draft Mike Trout in <laughs> last year's 60-game COVID season, but nobody else wanted to take a chance. So now this year, I get to reap the benefits of that and keep Mr. Trout. There you go. So somebody will throw Mike Trout. Mike Trout for 10. And then you just bid. 12, 15, 20. Somebody like Mike Trout. I have uh, 20, 20 players on a 20 person roster. And my uh, the um, salary cap is 260. But even with that, Mike Trout might go for 50 or 55 because he's that good. He's, I mean, doesn't get a ton of steals, but he's essentially a four tool player and a high value four tool player consistently. So he's going to go for, for a lot of money. So I got to keep him this year for 41, and he would have gone for 50 or 60 this year, easy. So I gladly kept him. Um, but I'm not here to, uh, not here to just break down my fantasy team and turn that, the show into that, but I did want to, a word of advice when you go into your drafts, um, in, in that kind of style, being the auction or, uh, even if it's not even the regular snake draft, even if it's not, you know, you don't have to bet on anybody or whatever. Um, depending on the size of your league. You have to value people differently. Like, I'm not even going to bother going after a catcher tomorrow in my draft because you have, like, the top three catchers. It's American League only, by the way, too. Not National League, American League only. So that makes it an even smaller player pool. The top three catchers are already gone and they're kept. 
So any catcher I have is going to be a crapshoot, no matter what. So no matter what they did saying, last year. You're basically saying, why why waste the time at the beginning of the draft when you know there's no value? When I know, I exactly. I may as well draft somebody as throw a dart at a dartboard and pick a player that way. Doesn't really matter. Because any any player I pick f- for a catcher position could just as easily be an all-star as yeah. cut by midseason. So there's not there's not a lot of great dominant catchers in the game. So I I uh I'm not gonna bother there. Couple players I really want. The best available starting pitcher is uh, Lucas Giolito from the Chicago White Sox. I have already determined, no matter what it takes, that dude's going to be on my team. The way my team is set up, I have a really, really good starting pitcher in Zach Plesak. Uh I, I, I got to keep him very cheap. I have another uh, Brady Singer from the Royals, young kid, prospect. I got to keep him dirt cheap. Maybe he won't do much, but not everybody can be a star. That's what you have to realize in that kind of that kind of situation. You might look at a player you kept and be like, why would you keep him? Because he was only a dollar. You literally couldn't have paid less for him. So there's a, a high reward, low risk aspect to it. You have to balance that out and be smart. There's some players, we did a mock draft tonight, and there's some players I'm looking at and I'm like, Ugh. like in the mock draft, I drafted a role this Chapman as a closer. The saves are a premium position or a premium stat, excuse me. There's only 15 teams in the AL. There's only 15 closers. And of those, there's maybe five or six that are really, really good and steady and two that are probably dominant. Well, there's another factor you have to roll in, too. What's that? Is that some teams... By committee, yeah, exactly. By, by either by committee or as you're the Tampa Bay Rays, you decide, eh, let's do the opener and then we'll see what happens with the closer. And now you have... By the end of the season, you could have four players with fifteen saves. Exactly, and that's that's exactly what I'm I kind of kind of what I'm exactly kind of what I'm getting to there. Is I paid mock draft budget. I wouldn't pay this in a real draft. Thirty-seven for a world this Chapman from the Yankees. Yankees are going to be a good team this year. They're going to get a lot of wins. He's going to get a lot of saves. He might hit forty saves. But then you have somebody like uh, like Liam Hendricks, and the White Sox, and uh, uh, Rosenthal for the A's. Yeah. Both of those guys went for under 20. So you can have both of those guys who could easily both get 30 saves for a little bit more than one role this Chapman, who, by the way, has had some injury issues and other off-the-field issues as well. So you have to kind of weigh it. Yeah, that, that, it looks really, really nice to have that name of this Chapman and your relief pitcher spot to close out games for you. Maybe... You shouldn't be a slave to the names, though. Look at the stats. Look at the potential. Look at the team around them. And just be smart. Don't overpay for a name. And that's um, that's all i got to say. That, that, that's the best thing I can tell you. Even Mike Trout. If I didn't already draft him last year and have him for a killer deal this year, I wouldn't even bid on him. Because he's going to go for 60, and I'm not paying that for anybody. Right. I've, this is a super competitive league. There's guys who bring computers calculators, notebooks, and they're sitting there going, oh, right now this guy's valued like this with this many players left and this and this. I bring a pen. I used to bring a pen and a paper. I do use my computer now. But I've won it three times, and I'm always competitive in it because I almost play it Moneyball style. You look for the value, and then the few players who are really, really special, 
you go after. Now, the only reason I'm going after Giolito, no matter what, mm. he's the best pitcher available. And the last two seasons, he's had phenomenal years. Looks like he's that good. I have the cap room. The, the 11 people I have on my team are well underneath my average point per position or point per player. So I can take all that excess and spend it on that guy. I probably wouldn't keep him next year. I'm probably going to pay 50 for him, if not more. I'm not keeping him for that. But I got him this year because my cap warrants that. Kind of like the Patriots <laughs> paying so much for so many free agents. They have the cap room. They may as well use it and spend the money and get them now. So that's that. So, I don't want to – I can talk fantasy baseball all day, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop now. But uh, I, w- I would have one, just one question. Sure. And I think this could benefit um, anybody out there doing it, either a, a traditional snake draft or an auction draft. How would you approach – and you can try to pare this down as much as you want, uh, okay. if you want to. Um, how would you, how would you um, go after when you're looking at teams like the Athletics, like the Tampa Bay Rays, who you know are trade happy? And when I when I say trade happy, I mean they get to the trade deadline and they look at their roster, they look at their record, and they're staring up at two, three teams. How do you judge picking up a player like a Trevor Rosenthal when you know Billy Bean could flip him because it's a one-year deal, it's a rental, and he could flip it for a prospect or two? How do you approach that? That's a, that's a tough one. Um, the easiest answer is you just have to hope it doesn't happen, truthfully, because you really don't know. Right. Uh, in a case like this year, you, you do have to look at it on a case by case basis. In a case like this year, with like a Trevor Rosenthal, this is the first year they have him. Mm-hmm. I believe they traded for him. I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was free agency or they traded for him. I think they traded for him. More than likely, he's not a guy who's going to get traded. Now that's partially because it's his first year with the team. Also, because uh, the A's are probably going to be competitive, so they're probably not going to trade their closer. Right. Logically. Um, it's not impossible. They could, if they have a chance to trade him for a slightly lesser closer and maybe an outfielder if they need one. That's possible, but not likely. Uh, this, so when you have really good players that are not locked into long-term deals on bad teams or teams that are you know up and coming but like to trade, and it's it, it's a one league only. Uh, fantasy league, like I said, mine's AL only. It's really tough. I've had it happen where I have great players. A couple years ago, I was in first place. I was killing it. I had two closers within a matter of a day. Got traded. I ended up falling behind in the closer in the uh, in the saves category, and my team just started slipping because so went my WHIP and my ERA. Strikeouts went down. Um, my rest of my team was solid, but it just was. I ended up coming in like fourth that year because I went cheap with two closers on teams that were kind of mediocre, and they traded them, and I lost them. And you don't get anything back for that. You just lose them. On the flip side, I've also had it where teams get traded from the NL to the AL, and I've had number one waiver priority. So I get a stud starting pitcher or outfielder or something um, for nothing. I just pick them up, and I get, you know. So – it is a risk, but um, you just kind of have to b- 
be as smart as you possibly can. Look, if you need saves and you're in that kind of league, you're just going to have to draft somebody and hope. Right. Like, if you don't get one of the top uh, real stud lockdown closers, you're just going to have to take your chances. Okay. Like, I'm, I'm going after Giolito tomorrow, and I'm going after guys like Rosenthal and Hendricks. Um, I'll bid on Chapman, but I'm not going crazy with it. I'm not going over, like, 25, and he'll go for over 25. Uh, so I'm, I'm gonna, I, I, I need a lockdown starter and a lockdown reliever. And then after that, build my rest of my team around that. That's what you have to do. Honestly, the best way with any fantasy sport to do it, get your stars and your guys you need to stabilize positions in place and then backfill it. And I think, I think we've talked about this, um, maybe not this year, but uh, our first year, um, astonishingly, we actually in our second season. Yeah, I know, right? Um, we talked about the top of your draft. And and this is indicative, and this is uh, echoes through any team, any league. Um, make your first couple picks count. Yes. Uh, I, I remember in our our draft in the in AFL, and my first pick Saquon Barkley, and I'll just leave it at that. Yep. And so it it just be intelligent, and again, uh, auction draft is different. That being said. Your first couple picks in auction draft, as far as whether you nominate them or the ones you actually bid on and get, are important because they are going to affect your cap availability for the rest right. of the auction draft. Right. Same thing with a snake draft. You've got to make them count. So I'm one, and, and it's been joked around multiple times at NFL, our, um, NFL fantasy draft. Um I have a lot. I have a lot going on. Uh, I'll have my computer. I'll have yeah, maybe three a, different desks set up. Looks like a legitimate NFL draft war room. And and sometimes I win, and sometimes like a couple years ago, I <clears throat> won both leagues. But I think you should do what you feel comfortable doing, and at least do some prep work. Um, there, there can be over prep, but I think do some prep work and, and know, have a strategy going into whatever it is, NBA draft, NHL draft, whatever it is for a fantasy draft, have some sort of plan. Uh, as somebody who can, who's speaking from experience, when you start to rewrite the same thing you have on one sheet of paper on another sheet of paper, you've done too much research, go get some fresh air. <laughs> just let whatever you know, your knowledge, just let that marinate. And, you know, I, I'll i make my top 10 or top 20 charts, guys, I think, and I'll make a couple little notes. But once it gets past that, it's really, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to take this guy for this reason. I'm going to uh, – I need I need somebody who has steals for that category. It's, it's a rot- rotisserie league. It's not uh, – it goes by stats. So whoever has the most home runs for their team has 10 points. Whoever has the second most has nine points. And there's five categories for pitching, five categories for hitting. And so it may just be, oh, I need home runs. I need power. So I'm just going to take Joey Gallo because he's going to hit 190, but he's going to hit 40 home runs. So you kind of – you have to balance all that out. Um, it's a little bit different than fantasy football where you just go for the max number of points you can. Right. Uh, you kind of have to balance it out because if you have five guys who hit 40 home runs and then hit 190 – 
your average for your team is going to suffer and you're going to lose points there rotisserie wise you're going to be the second or third ranked team and it's really hard to win a championship when you have anything down around two or three you need everything around five or six with a couple things that are spiked up to nine or ten to have the, the chance to win uh, and every time i've won the league like i said i won three out of four years a couple years back i think this is the year looking on my team i reclaimed my uh reclaimed my trophy but I had the pitching was immaculate. I picked good players, damn good pitchers, starting and relieving. Not everyone was a closer, but you had guys who had low whips, low ERAs, high strikeouts, late inning guys for relief who could pick up wins, and then a couple of really good closers. Uh, a couple of pitchers I did some good, I did my due diligence, did the research on them, picked them up. Some players, some of these guys weren't even in my league weren't even aware of. Uh, and then I went after my aces. Had a couple real good lockdown guys who kind of bolstered it. So if somebody had a bad day, didn't really kill me overall. Um, so yeah, like I like you said, sometimes it'll be a five minute conversation. Other times it'll be a little bit deeper. But I think you know that's good stuff. And uh, you know if you're listening to this show, you're a sports fan, right? And baseball fan. So I mean, you probably play some kind of fantasy sports. So I'm sure you can relate in some fashion. Uh, but I I love it. It's it's honestly one of my this is my second favorite day of the year as a as a as a sports fan. Uh, the first is of course the fantasy football draft, which of is sec, second Christmas. Um, uh, so but, some of us it's <clears throat> first Christmas. Yeah, I'm I'm a too big of a Christmas fan. I got to say second, but this tomorrow's third. Tomorrow is also big. Uh, usually we do it in person. Um, we didn't last year, obviously. This year we're not, obviously. Uh, hopefully, oh God, God willing, hopefully next year. <laughs> we'll be in person with everything again. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll, it's a little bit different online, but it's still fun. So I'll probably uh, probably order a pizza or something. I probably shouldn't be eating and have that and draft, and then uh, hopefully be celebrating my future championship team this time tomorrow. But for me, rambling on about fantasy baseball. And by the way. If you want to talk more fantasy baseball, feel free to ask me any questions you like because I can literally talk about it all day and night. So, uh, from me talking about my fantasy team to other teams hoping that they're built a championship caliber team. Uh, crappy segue, sorry, a little distracted. Um, but uh, the second wave of NFL free agents. Yep. Uh, there is a very, very obvious uh, head of this class here. A guy I thought would be signed by the time we did our free agent special. Uh, not only am I surprised he wasn't, but I'm surprised where he signed. <clears throat> Former Detroit Lions superstar wide receiver Kenny Galladay signs with the New York Giants. Four years, $72 million. I'm sure there's a fat guarantee on that. Probably somewhere around 30 or 40 what was it 18 million per puts him among the highest paid receivers in the game um how do you feel about his position there he's tied for sixth my only problem with him and i remember saying this when when we were talking about before anybody was signed before the legal tamper, tampering period and i said kenny galladay is the kind of guy i don't want the patriots to sign however if they get the little news blurb saying Kenny Galladay signs with the Patriots, I'd be thrilled. Right. Because, oh, wow, they got Kenny Galladay. You're not going to find 
a more physically gifted talent. He has all the tools. He is fast. He is great in one-on-one. He will go up and get the ball from a corner. He is, when healthy, as reliable and as dominant and has the ability, in some cases, to take over a game. He has all the makings of a number one stud, top five overall receiver. The problem is he has had trouble staying healthy. And he couldn't stay healthy in a dome, uh, you know, how's he going to fare in cold weather in New York outdoors for the next four years, at least? Um, I feel he belongs in the upper echelon of receivers. That's not, I have no problem with that at all. He's, he's good enough. The talent's there. It's like, I mean, you, <laughs> you traded Odell Beckham Jr., because he couldn't stay healthy and his contract was big. And you bring in another guy who can't seem to stay healthy and his contract's going to be huge. So I, I don't know. I don't know what his issue in his first season was. Because he, he, he was available for 11 games, started in five, played in 11. So I don't know if he had injury problems or it was just his rookie season. Um. 28 catches for 477 and three touchdowns. Not eye-popping numbers. And he played 13 out of, I'm sorry, played 15 out of 16 games in his second season with 13 starts. 70 catches, 1,000 yards, five touchdowns. And then he had his his season. 16 games, uh, 65 receptions, 1,100 yards, 11 touchdowns. Right. And then he had last season. So I don't know if – I don't remember if those first two seasons were injury-related or anything. But then, of course, as you pointed out, this year he played in five games. Played in five games. So they're so what the Giants are doing, they're hedging on 2019. They're hedging on almost 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns. Oh, and by the way, in that, in that year, his starting quarterback was not there the majority of the season. Right. That's a backup throwing to him. So, it's very DeAndre Hopkins esque. Yes, exactly. The problem is, is he backed that up with a five, five game, twenty catch, twenty t- catches for three hundred thirty eight yards. Would have been nice to, for him to have that fifth year option and see if he could pull it off again and see if it's which one's true, the twenty twenty or twenty nineteen. Sure, but unfortunately, it was a, wasn't a first round pick, so. You're the Giants, and you hedged your bets, and you said, we think he's a 1,000-yard receiver. We think he's double-digit touchdowns. You believe that because you just made him, as we pointed out, this tie for the sixth average, uh, sixth highest-paid wide receiver. Who are the five above him? Who are the five above Julio, him? Julio, uh, probably Hopkins, Beckham. Somehow. They switched off to Kenny Galladay's numbers. Um, no, Beckham's actually – Beckham and Tyreek Hill are actually tied with him. Okay. Um, you have D-Hop, uh, Julio Jones, Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper, <laughs> Michael Thomas. And then uh, uh, the aforementioned Hill and uh, Beckham are both tied with Kenny Galladay. Who's right below him? Uh, Allen Robinson signing his – 
franchise tag. Franchise tag, which we will get to. Uh, and then Mike Evans. So he's there. I gotta say, with the exception of a few guys on that list, I probably have rather have Mike Evans over all of them. Right. So uh, I I think what we're looking at is he was the best on the market. A couple players, a couple wide receivers came off the board early. Um, I believe, in retrospect, that that's accurate. They should have because they didn't know where the money was going to be. Right. Kenny Galladay believed in his abilities. He believed that he was going to get big money. And he was right. And this also leaves, I think, the opportunity for him to get a third contract. Or second, I'm sorry, a second contract. Oh, you know, when we saw uh, Allen Robinson get franchise tagged, Chris Godwin get franchise tagged. Right. And uh, who else was it? Somebody else who got franchise tagged also? Another receiver. Um, I can't remember. Oh, it escapes me now. But when we saw the top of the class essentially get franchise tagged, we knew, okay, Kenny Galladay is going to set the market. I thought it would possibly be Chris Godwin if Kenny Galladay and he were both free agents, but ended up being Kenny Galladay. Uh, I mean, look, yeah, the talent's there. Um, look, I just mentioned he had a hard time staying healthy inside a dome. Now he's going to, you know, I believe last year was some kind of muscle issue in his leg hamstring or something i think i could be wrong but i think that's what it was if that's the case you got a guy with hamstring issues who's not gonna be playing out in the cold you know and in the northeast and you know as i said we're both from there it gets real brutal cold up here sometimes so (laughs) you're talking you're talking metlife stadium by the river (laughs) winds whipping and you got a guy with hamstring issues you're gonna pay to be your, your your franchise receiver I mean, I wish him luck. I like Kenny Galladay. He's a hell of a player, man. He's a hell of a talent. Um, maybe maybe it won't hurt him at all, and the fresh air will do him some good. Not playing indoors. But uh, I just, I don't, when I saw it was, it, seemed, it was seemingly between the Cincinnati Bengals and the New York Giants. Right. I thought he had a real chance to go to a team on the rise mm-hmm. in the Bengals with a young quarterback on the rise. And Joe Burrow, who looks, by all accounts, to be the guy the Bengals drafted him to be. Right. Uh, not an Achilles Smith. Not uh, any of the other quarterbacks they've tried drafting high over the years. that just have not worked out. Th- this guy looks like the real deal. And Tyler Boyd is an awesome receiver. I think he's – who's the other guy? T. Higgins? T. Higgins, T. Higgins looked great last year. Last year. Yeah. Those guys are awesome. T. Higgins looks like kind of like a speedy slot guy. Boyd is that real dependable, solid hands, can run all sorts of routes. And if you added Galladay to that like they wanted to, there's your deep threat, your physical threat, your red zone threat. Uh, he can do more than that, but that's a, something he could do very well with a really good running back in that system. I'm going to stop calling uh, – I'm gonna stop calling Joe Mixon great until he can stay healthy. Yeah, I think he has the talent to be, but he just can't stay on the field. You can't be great if you're not on the field. And I think this uh, that also would have done something else for the Bengals, Chris. They have the fifth, fifth, fifth pick. Yes, fifth pick. This would have opened up that fifth pick. Uh-huh. They could have done anything. Now, unfortunately, with what they're at, with what they have, um, let's say Penny Swell is gone. I, I, he won't be there at five. 
there's 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 four other teams, three other teams. Let's exclude the Jacksonville Jaguars because they're taking Trevor. There's three other teams that could feasibly take him at, at tackle. They have to take Kyle Pitts. I'm not I'm not availing a, um, a my mystery of my draft yet, my mock draft yet, but. It looks like they would have to take Kyle Pitts, tight end out of, of Florida. Right. Or they need to get Jamar Chase if he's there. Or they'll have to stretch to take Devontae Smith, who, depending on who you talk to, is he a top 10 or is he a top – or is he a first-round pick? This would open up so many opportunities at, for that fifth pick to go down, pick up more picks, or pick a guy, the best player available, which – if you're a team, that's the best pick you can. That's the best way to, to do a draft is pick the best player available. And Kenny Galladay would have opened up so much for that offense. Yeah, it would have taken so much pressure off Joe Mixon that he probably could have been that elite player that they paid him to be. And development of T. Higgins, and not so much pressure on on Boyd. Right. It would have it would have lessened. And open up opportunities because you can't you can't ignore Kenny Galladay, and would you have to double cover him? And now Boyd is singled up, and and we saw what he did last year, and he made progress from years past. Stayed on the field, progress. It was uh, brought down a little bit when when Joe Burrow got injured, but I mean, look what they had after him. I'm, t- I'm telling you this. If they said they had signed Kenny Galladay and Tyler Boyd stays healthy, he's a pro bowler. Right. He's going to have those kind of numbers because he's not. He's going to have more yards than Galladay. Galladay is probably going to have him in touchdowns and things like that. But it didn't happen, um, and I don't know what the Bengals' potential offer was uh, to Kenny Galladay. If I were them, I would have put aside some of the other seemingly less important signings that they did and, and, and put all my efforts into Galladay. Right. Um, and if I'm Galladay, I understand it. Look, there there's an appeal when you've, when you've been playing your first four years in Detroit, which, and anybody out there listening in Detroit, I'm not trying to knock your city. I've never been there, but, uh, you know, it's seen better days. Yeah. Uh, yeah from, from what I hear from everyone who's been there. Um, so, and this isn't Kenny Galladay talking. He never said anything. He didn't like Detroit or anything. But you can go play in New York City. Or actually, you're playing in New Jersey because New York plays in New Jersey. That's that's the world we live in. <laughs> uh, but you can go play for uh, what should be a pretty good team, right? And the Giants. I mean, they have a great running back if he can stay healthy. And if he stays healthy and the receivers stay healthy, that's going to make Daniel Jones better. He, Daniel Jones is getting a lot of crap, and I get it. He doesn't look like Patrick Mahomes, but let's face it, he hasn't exactly had the most consistent offense the first couple of years. No, He's had to really, you know. And he needs to be part of that, too. But you can't just throw him into the fire and say, hey, make it work. Well, he's learning, too. So, like I said, is he Patrick Mahomes? No. Is he Mitchell Trubisky? No. No. He's somewhere in between, which is a wide, wide range. But I think he could be really good. And if, I think it's a good addition for the Giants. Um, again, if you need to make an impact on that in that position, a wide receiver – and you have the cap space, he's worth the risk. You're going <laughs> to – the Patriots played paid Nelson Aguilar $13 million a year for the next two years. I'm okay with it because they need a receiver help. 
Right. And Galladay's not the kind of guy they sign. They weren't going to go for him. I we knew that. We hoped, but we knew we knew the reality yeah. of it. Pay five million extra dollars a year, average, and have <laughs> Kenny Galladay over Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, please, please, I'll take that. So, if I, I as a fan would have loved to have seen Burrow and Galladay kind of grow together as players, but I can completely understand Galladay going. Well, I want to play. I want to play on one of the biggest stages in all of sports, being New York City. So, I, I think some uh, the history had probably a little bit to do with it because the Giants have some recent winning, if you want to call it that. Whereas the Bengals, as much as we, we praise what they're doing and, and the, the movement they're making and, and the team building that they're doing, it's still, they're not there. They're not, they're not the Bills. They're probably the Bills a few years ago. When they, when they brought in Josh Allen through the draft and, and they couldn't win, but there's promise, we'll have to see if they ne- take that next step. But they n- need to continue to draft smarter. They need to continue to pick the right free agents. And the most important thing is, is protect Joe Burrow. And it was on full display this past season when he went down with an injury. And they need to – shore up their offensive line you know they need to get they need penny Sewell, uh and as much as maybe he's not the answer but he's the best he's the best tackle in the draft you didn't go out in free agency as far as i know they didn't go out and get a premier tackle um you know there was two available you had trent williams with the niners who he resigned i know it was huge money or you could have traded for trent brown who the patriots went and traded uh, with the Raiders for and you have to make smart decisions to build your team and I think this was a miss by the Bengals this was a hit by the 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 Giants but I think your point is valid can Saquon Barkley stay on the field can Evan Ingram stay on the field can Sterling Shepard stay on you see a pattern yes and if they all can stay on the field it's a, Giants have a pretty damn good offense. It's a disruptive offense yes. that will will cause pain to all the uh, NFC East teams because you have the the Eagles who are murky on the future and what they're going to be. You have the Washington Football Team, which we have to see who the starting quarterback is going to be, and then the Dallas Cowboys. Do they have enough? So <laughs> it'll be I, interesting. I, Speaking of the Eagles, I didn't put this on the rundown. I almost did. Well, it's actually not even Eagles news anymore. It's Colts news. But uh, there was an article. Carson Wentz did an interview, and he said he's not really sure why he was benched. Now, article is kind of out of context. He said he didn't know what happened as far as why the team all of a sudden was struggling. Yeah. He wouldn't really say he didn't know why he was benched. But it's like, Carson, because you started throwing uh, interceptions and touchdowns at a 3-1 to ratio. That's why you got benched. Couldn't hit water falling out of a boat. Are you serious right now? You don't know. Yeah, congratulations, Indianapolis. You got the perfect quarterback for your soft-ass franchise. So so I would say, look, you, you know my position. I don't think this is going to work out. I think he's going to fail. And <laughs> Yeah, probably. And and then and then it's going to be, well, there's two, two things that are going to happen. One, he, he's just going to become a career backup is what's going to happen. And two, um, 
this is going to put a lot of pressure on on Trey Lance, um, who went to, who's gone to the same school as him. Is that fair to him? No, it's not fair to him. But well, I mean, it's a small school with with the competition not that great. Carson no. Wentz. Carson Wentz has to <laughs> has to worry about. Uh, Throwing the football to the right team before he can worry about Trey Lance's emotional. Well, I don't, no, 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 I'm not saying he's going to worry about it, but it, it could. In the future, it could affect anybody else coming out of North yeah, Dakota maybe. State. Yeah, maybe. It could, but people, you know, players are all different. It's, it's true. I mean, there is something to be said for coming out of the same system. I get what you're saying there, but it's it's talent's talent. Um, we're going to stick with wide receivers. Uh, this isn't the Kenny Galladay hour like we turned it into, uh, so. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, one year, eight million with the Steelers. What did I say? What did I say? You said you were going to see some high-end contracts from the very top of the market. Yep. And the guys just underneath that who would normally get three and four-year deals for ten, twelve, fourteen million per are going to sign one-year deals because they're going to wait till next year when a lot more teams have a lot more cap room. Juju signed one for eight. One because nobody else offered him more. Correct. Apparently, the Chiefs and uh, Ravens both offered him. Well, they did offer him more somewhere in the neighborhood of nine. Um, but I guess the way they, I don't know, the way the Steelers structured it was more appealing. Plus, he stayed, he wanted to stay in Pittsburgh. But apparently, he's been staying for weeks now. He wasn't staying in Pittsburgh and then realized he Same didn't have it. anywhere else to go. And was like, oh, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'm going to stay in Pittsburgh. Uh, let's see. Will Fuller. Is a Miami Dolphin, former Texans, often hurt but very talented receiver, signed a one-year deal. Uh, Deshaun Jackson signed with the Rams. I couldn't find any info on that contract. Uh, it doesn't really matter because they'll be paying after the first quarter of Game One. They'll be paying him to be on the uh, injured list. Correct. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, I think this is a good move, and I'm not being I'm not being funny here. Keelan Cole to the Jets. Keelan Cole, in the absence of DJ Shark last year when he yeah. was injured in Jacksonville, had a very, very nice year. A very nice year with a very unstable quarterback core for Jacksonville. And just not a lot of talent around him whatsoever. He had a very nice season. Stats weren't huge, but if you watched him play, this guy knows how to play a receiver. Signed a one-year, $1.5 million deal with the Jets. You don't get any more low risk than that. Yeah. And he's a big body guy who's going to be able to almost act like a tight end in the red zone. And tall, he's going to be able to go up and get those passes. He's the perfect kind of guy, along with a Corey Davis. He actually reminds me, build-wise, a lot of Corey Davis, okay. who the Jets signed for a lot more money. But the Jets get their tight end situation figured out. They have some talented receivers. I think right now they have a bunch of number two receivers, which can work if they all do their part. This team can stay healthy, shore up the line a little bit, draft well. Robert Sala can get that defense the way he got, you know, <laughs> the uh, the mash unit out in San Francisco last year to perform. This Jets team is putting some pieces in the right spots. Um, the Cynic and Patriots fan in me <laughs> is going to say it won't matter anyways. Uh, but the football fan in me says they're making some smart moves. So I like it. It's it's not earth-shattering, but it's a solid, skilled player at a position of need. So it's a good signing. It's 
if you had a one, if you had a one, a top tier tight end, or a top 15 running back, I would say you're in good position. Look, they have their one. All they're going to do is put the arrow to the locker room from the Giants yeah. in the other direction, uh-huh. and Kenny Galladay is going to come play for them every Sunday. Oh, okay. That's their plan. Okay. Now, Kenny Galladay is smarter than that. It won't work, Sorry, but that's their plan. We're going to save. We're not going to have to pay him. He's going to come play for us. Okay. Perfect. That's um, I think I think your your pick for Aaron Jones going there would have would have actually made justified these yep. moves uh, because we know you know Sam Don- uh, Sam Donald thinks um, who is it Kelly Hernan Chris Hernan Chris Hernan is like if he's on the field they're unstoppable. <laughs> yeah. um, well, well, Sam Donald's not- got to stop getting mono like a middle schooler before you know stay on the field yeah um so i would just say there's not a there's not a running back in the draft travis Etienne's really really good he is not going to make teams put eight or nine in the box so it's still going to be problematic for them to get the ball from Sam Darnold to these receivers, uh, if they can't get if they can't get separation, or he doesn't have confidence in the receivers to get separation or to make the play, it's still going to be problematic for them. So, I still, I still don't think this is going to be enough for the Jets. Oh no! They're, look, they're not going to be a twelve-win team next year because of this, but they'll be better. They'll, you would hope. They'll, they'll have a better showing. They won't blow, get blown out every single game. And if they face a, a inferior opponent, which I don't know if there's going to be one for them to face. They're still Jacksonville. Right. Um, they'll be able to put up some points. It's just you're not giving Sam Donald the best opportunity to win. You're not putting him in that position yet. But I would say, Chris, if they get the tackle in the draft, that solves a lot of problems. Yeah, and unfortunately with the situation they put themselves in, not only with having guys like Adam Gase coaching the past couple years, but just from the front office on down for the past five or six years, made poor choices in free agency. Uh, They paid their own players to stay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you'd, you'd have, you know, there's a lot of joking about Jamal Adams and how the the Seahawks overpaid for him and he didn't do this, he didn't do that. Look at Jamal Adams at the the second half of the time he played last year. Once he started getting into a groove in Seattle, he was a much different player. He was a dominant player. They didn't want to pay him, but they'll pay a guy who oh, I forgot his name. Marcus May. No, no, no. Uh, well, that made that made sense though. I mean, they had the cap room, and it was it was cheap enough on the, the cap uh, franchise tag. Them, so that was fine. They wanted to see what they had with them. I understand that. Was it Muhammad Wilkerson was injured, and they still signed him to a massive deal? I think. And he was never the same player. Like, there's, I mean, their history is just littered with things like that. Like, this franchise has to start making better choices. They have one of the most passionate fan bases in the entire league. Like, when you meet a Jets fan, you know they're a Jets fan. Mostly because I'm a Patriots fan, and they tell me how much I hate my team. But I still know they're a Jets fan. My problem is, is we've just we've talked about this. I mean, I understand the Marcus May. Um, 
franchise, and I'm trying to find Jamal Adams' contract. I can't remember how much he his AAV is, but um, apparently he's gone missing on my my website that I'm still on. But uh, I still think I still think I get the long term deal, but um, yeah, somehow he's making five million this year. I don't. Think that's accurate. But yeah, it is. He's not. He does not. Doesn't have an extension. Oh, that's right. That's right. They're working on an extension. Yeah, he doesn't so, have an extension. So he's still uh, working on his rookie so contract. So they're working on an extension. So I'm sure when his extension comes out, um, the money will be crazy. But still, Chris, he's 26 years old right now. Yeah. So. That's he's going to be good for years. Right. And, but, that's not. You can't blame that on Robert Saul because no, he wasn't he there. Wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, you can blame it on the GM because he's, I believe he is still there. And you can obviously blame it on Gase, and Gase can go hopefully not coach anybody ever again. It's funny, too, because most Jets fans I know are very unexcited about Robert Sala, and I don't understand it. To me, that's one of the best choices they could have made. You know what You know what it could be, Chris? They could be just beaten down so much by bad coaching. Honestly, you know what? All kidding aside, that probably is what it is. They just, they, no matter who they brought in, it hasn't helped because of poor decision-making in the office. So that could or, very well or, be it. Or it's that too. Yeah. That they're they have lack confidence in the GM that A, they they don't think he could sign or uh, get the right coach, and B that they can't sign, draft, trade for the correct players. Um, I think it's just gonna take it's gonna take Robert Sala to to elevate that defense with what he has and put the money and the, the draft capital in the offense. Um, there is two two contracts that uh, interest me. What's that? So one, I was stunned, but in a good way, that David Andrews is resigned with the Yeah, Patriots. me too. Yep. Was it um, four four for nineteen? Four. Patriots, that that so. is four. No, I did. I, I thought it was going to be in the thirties. I, I that's, thought so that's too. a steal. So, so it's a great move. Very that's, happy to see that. As I pointed out to you, and I'm trying not to patriot out on this one, but as I pointed out to you, I think uh, the offensive line is the best position group on the Patriots. And when you have a team that's going to base its offense on the running game, that's a very good thing. Um, Adoree Jackson. Yeah, you know. Uh, you know. So, so <laughs> uh, when was, what day was it he signed? Was it? I think um, it was yesterday or the day before. Whatever day it was, there was a lot of social media about this player and this player are are, are um, trying to get him to come to the Giants, and this player and this player are trying to get him. Oh, it was um, Jabril Peppers, and then another one of the secondary guys from the Giants trying to get him to sign with the Giants. Right. There are players with the Jets trying to get him to sign with the Jets, and I'm just thinking. This is what I'm thinking, Chris. Why? What's the allure with Adore Jackson? He was a top. Uh, I'm going to say he's at least top fifteen. Uh, coming out of USC, uh, great speed, great return man. Cover skills were were needed to be developed, and for some reason in Tennessee they could never develop. What is the allure? Well, I think much like with your problem with Byron Jones getting as much money as he did last year, it's the best left at a very uh, hot position. Even mediocre corners on the open market get above market value because it's such a premium position that teams kind of reach to get them. Like, if 
I mean, if there's 10 quality corners on the market this year, Adoree Jackson gets two-thirds of that contract for three years, if that. Uh, I don't really see – look, he's not a bad player. No. I, think I think I'm a little higher on him than you are. I mean, in the two things you mentioned, he is fast and he's a good return guy. So right there you have a really – I mean, obviously you want to hang with the receivers, so you need speed. And he can be used in special teams as well, which boosts his value. Um, not the best cover guy. Um, but, I mean, I guess, too, if the Giants figured – the Giants' defense was not terrible last year. No. So they just got a couple of pieces because, I mean, kind of tying this in, on top of signing, on top of the receiving and tight end talent they already have, mm-hmm. they brought in Kenny Galladay, which you talked about. Right. Uh, apparently they've also come to terms on a two-year deal with Kyle Rudolph. Very talented tight end. Great guy to pair with Evan Ingram. Especially if you want to run the ball more with a healthy Saquon Barkley. Uh, apparently there has been a bit of a snag in that contract. Something to do with a uh, health issue with Rudolph, his, his back or something like that. Uh, but as of now, the contract hasn't been you know tossed aside yet. It's still going to happen once they work things out. But so you have the offense that they've been working on. They can draft an you know they can draft an offensive lineman or, or something like that. That is that's what they need. All the money they spent on the offensive line, they have to draft bring in people and draft them because right. it hasn't worked out. Uh, so if they feel on defense, they only need another piece or two, and they have the cap room. Okay, overpay for them. If you got to go over the top a little bit to get a guy you think fits your scheme, sure. And it's thirteen million AAV. I mean that's <laughs> anybody. I know I would, you would, anybody listening to this would take that in a heartbeat. But, I mean, that's kind of just under elite tier cornerback money. I mean, you got the guy, your Jalen Ramsey's making $20 million a year, and it kind of pairs down from there. So, it's not a preposterous contract. I don't get the, I, I don't understand the reaction from a lot of uh, fans. Right uh, and players, which I think is what your your point is, yeah. acting like they got Jalen Ramsey. You know, it's kind of like okay, this is a good player, but let's you know, it's like the Patriots signed Jalen Mills. I'm excited about it. I think it's a really nice addition to a damn good secondary, but I don't think Jalen Mills on his own is a lockdown guy. But he's a nice piece, and the Patriots might have overpaid for him, although it was only six for twenty four, but. They knew what they needed, and they knew what they had in him. And he's a guy who can play just about every position in the secondary. He's versatile. He's a Belichick player. So they may have gone over the top a little bit to get what they wanted. Same with the Giants. And they've made some good moves this far, you know, so far this offseason. So, um, now, another member of the secondary, Justin Simmons. A guy I knew, I know you're pretty high on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who had been franchise tagged this past offseason for the second year in a row. Uh and made it pretty clear he wanted a contract. Got his contract. Uh, four years for $61 million with the Broncos. Um, so, yeah, one of the best safeties in the game. Got his got his big contract. And, um, you know, doesn't have to live on the uh, franchise tag anymore. Actually makes him the highest paid safety in the league. Yeah, well, that's yeah, good for him. Um, so you always, you always like to see good players, you know, get there. Get their money. Uh, running backs, fellow, uh, well, former teammate of Justin Simmons, Philip Lindsay. Somehow, 
uh, the Broncos let this guy go. I don't get it. I know, you know, you've been – you've in the past said he's not a a number one. Right. Uh, but with another number two, he's a solid – he's not a 1A, but I'd say he's just under that category. If you had two guys like him, you'd have a damn good running game. Alternate in and out. He's not a 40 carry. He's not, he's not a Derrick Henry. But – He's a guy who can get you, can do a lot of things for you, and do it very well. First undrafted player ever to have back-to-back thousand-yard seasons. So that's saying something. The kid's got talent. Uh, but the Broncos apparently uh, just—I don't know—they they didn't. <laughs> I don't know if they didn't try or he didn't want to go back. Whatever. But he signed a one-year deal with the Houston Texans. So along with David Johnson, uh, they got a pretty nice running back tandem down there. So I think that's exactly what a guy like Philip Lindsay needs to be effective as another guy who can take the load off him a little bit. Uh, Chris Carson, the guy the Patriots were looking at, and I was really hoping they would land him uh, two two years for 14.6. Resigns with the Seahawks. Uh, they really needed him back. Uh, he's, when healthy, uh, a top running back. He's very, very good. Uh, Kenyon Drake, former Dolphin and Arizona Cardinals, signed a two-year deal for up to $14 million with the Raiders. Uh, kind of interesting. They already have Josh Jacobs, but Jacobs a little bit inconsistent at times last year. Uh, was injured his rookie year, so I don't think this is so much to motivate him because I think he's a good, a really, really good player. But kind of like I just said with a guy like Lindsey, maybe he's the kind of player being Josh Jacobs who just needs someone to spell him a little bit every now and then. He can't, he can't go 25, 30 carries a game. Let him go. Let him go 15 to 16 and catch a few balls, and he's going to be real effective for you. Right. He's not going to wear down. So uh, here's the big one. The last one on the list. Oh, boy. This is – ready, everybody? Joe Flacco has signed with your Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, boy. So they traded Carson Wentz for older, more angry Carson Wentz. Uh or not four, but traded and picked and re-signed. Um, yeah, whatever. Uh, I really hope Jalen Hurts doesn't listen to anything he says. I, I find it interesting that because I'm I'm obviously I love the NFL draft and I'm I'm looking at mock drafts left and right, kind of getting an idea of where everything's at, and I'm still seeing Eagles taking a quarterback, and then they sign Joe Flacco. It's like. If you're the if you're the if you're the Eagles, and I know Joe Flacco is not going to supplant Jalen Hurts, but it's a veteran quarterback. Did I mention it was the Philadelphia Eagles? I know that's that's why I'm I, that's why I'm kind of getting at. It's like I, I he's a veteran. He's played in the league. That's about the extent of and and he's played in the Super Bowl. Look, I'll say this about Joe Flacco. Of all the people I've ever seen him play football, he's one of them. And that's a statement. And that's about it. Yep. Um, I just, I just have a problem with what the Eagles are doing. It's just, it's just continuing that narrative of of screwing with Jalen Hurts. Yep. You did it in the last game of the season. I know there's conjecture on where it came from. Did it come down from the front office? Did the head coach? actually want to put him put in Nate Sudfeld or whatever whatever the truth is a we'll never get it 
B, you're still screwing with this kid. Who, by the way, when you brought him in and put him in the game, they started actually, the offense started to actually progress. Yep, started moving down the field. Uh, Miles Sanders started to be a integral part of the offense. Maybe Joe Flacco is nothing. Well, <laughs> oh. that's a layup right there for you, Chris. I will, yeah. Oh, sometimes they're too easy. But may- maybe it won't. It'll be a nothing signing. He'll be a backup. He'll carry the clipboard, and that's all he'll do. And the offense will Probably move still along. Intercept it somehow. Uh, it's possible. Um, I would say if I'm the Eagles, look, I'm going to draft either talent around him. To help him, uh, because you have to have a rookie draft pool, so you're going to have rookies come in. I know you can't sign anybody, but take the talent that you have right now, build an offense around Jalen Hurts and what he can do, and get more talent in the draft to build around him. Another running back to kind of spell Miles Sanders. If you can get another big play receiver by some chance. Maybe you can get a Devontae Smith. To pair it with um, um, Jalen Regor and and maybe Greg Ward can produce something. And who else is the other guy I'm, I'm forgetting? You're big uh, on him. Oh, wow, uh, man. Travis Fulgham? Yes. I yeah, he was doing a, great last year, and then explicably they just stopped using him. Right. Yeah, because he wouldn't want to win games. There's a lot of good things, and you could destroy that by, you know, week two or week three. You say, well, the offense isn't working. Let's give Joe Flacco a try. I, I think I think that could be a recipe for disaster, and you could lose Jalen Hurts permanently. Um, I just think it, it, it's interesting that Mitch Trubisky signed with the Bills on a one-year deal. <laughs> I, oh I don't my know God. what he's doing wow. there. I said last but not least, and I completely forgot Mitchell Trubisky, much I, like much I, like the football world. Yeah, I, um, I, I think that's – I'll say this. Good on him for knowing he has to learn more. Right. I'll say that much. I don't know if that's why he did it, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and assume that's why he did it. I This could be similar to – well, no. Well, somewhat similar to Marcus Mariota signing with the Raiders behind Derek, David Derek Carr. Um, although Josh Allen has more of a stranglehold in position than Carr does. I, I'm just confused – on why the Bills? I don't know. Maybe he really likes wings. I thought I can tell you. I, I mean, I, it, it it'll be interesting to see what he does. And just like and just like what Jameis Winston's gonna do. Is Marcus Mariota gonna get a chance again? Because maybe he structured his contract. So I know. Uh, it it it's it's seeming like a lot of these players are are hoping for the Ryan Tannehill. Situation. Well, Ryan Daniel came in and played good. Right. So Mitchell Trubisky is going to have to do that, which I don't know. If that's. I mean, he got an opportunity and he took it and, and, and ran with it. Marcus Mariota never got that opportunity in Vegas. Jameis hasn't got it in New Orleans. Well, it's a special set of circumstances, too, because after, after you kind of, you know, spend your initial goodwill and you're not really successful and you struggle. Right. Like you said, Tannehill went to be a backup in, in, in Tennessee and ended up really working out. Perfect set of circumstances made him a very rich man. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, Trubisky knows he's not starting. 
Josh Allen's going to be the quarterback in, in, in Buffalo for years to come. Uh, he's going to be the next guy to have a big contract come down his way. So, I mean, I think this is you go in and you learn from somebody who made the adjustments he had to make. And then hopefully when another starting job comes up, you can get a chance at a team that needs a quarterback. I mean, Trubisky goes in and, and he learned some stuff from Josh Allen and they work together. Who knows? Maybe he's the answer for Tampa when Brady retires. Maybe he's the answer for uh, uh, the Saints long term. Um, look, for all that joking I do about Trubisky, and I do a lot of joking about Mitchell Trubisky, we both do. So. He has shown flashes. Very brief, albeit. But he has shown flashes of, oh, damn, okay, there's something there. Then he disappears for six weeks. So, I mean... Josh Allen is a guy I was very critical of his first year, year and a half in the league. And he has come miles and miles ahead of where he was and where he needed to be because he put the work in and he was smart and he knew what he needed to improve on. Not a much better guy to learn from if you want to be able to make your adjustments too. So, I mean, he stays in the league. He's not out of sight, out of mind. Right. Uh, and if something were to happen to Allen, hopefully not. You know, never want to see anybody get hurt, but especially a talented young player. And he gets to come in for a couple of games and does well. Well, and he got the Teddy Bridgewater treatment. That's true. And he could be, you know, it's not going to be a Mahomes contract or a Watson contract or a Dak contract, but he can get a nice two or three year deal with the team to come in and, you know, a show me deal essentially. So, uh, one more thing. I didn't put it down here. Uh, apparently Aaron Rodgers is requesting assurances from the Packers that he will be the quarterback after next season. Um, surprise, surprise. Uh, nothing has been made public as to their response. Wait, wait, didn't uh, I see something coming across that they were talking about restructuring? I didn't see that. All I, all I, all I saw was that it was uh, just one of those things that popped up and it said uh, notification. Well, wow, that was, that was, that was a tough word to remember. Notification popped up, uh, and it said, Rodgers seeks assurance he'll be quarterback past 2021. Uh, and then I saw an article a couple hours later saying he was contemplating retirement. Um, so, as usual with Aaron Rodgers, if there's nothing to complain about, he'll find something. It's very he'll good find something to make Aaron poor Aaron. So, uh, prodigiously talented as he may be, he is, uh, he is a world-class drama king. So I, I'm this, this is the kind of stuff that just makes your team not be able to reach the ability that they can yep. because it's never about us. It's about him. Yep. Even if the team's going great, they got a nice receiving core. They have arguably the best wide receiver. And by the way, even though he's cocky because he stated he's the best wide receiver, he backed it up. That's say he proved it on the field. So, so I'll, I'll shut my mouth um, on any statement he makes because he's proved that he's the best receiver. But yet... Hasn't really caused a lot of the drama a usual diva wide right. receiver causes. Um, developing tight end, got his running back back, which we we were. Oh, I thought he was gone. Sure yeah, he was gone. 
and a nice defense that's kind of kind of building up a little bit. It's got some young talent that they've drafted really well. And yet it's all about Aaron Rodgers. Yep. And they they didn't draft Jordan Love for no reason. No, no, they did not draft him in the first round to hold the clipboard for the next four years and then walk away to somewhere else. I'm I'm sorry, Aaron. They drafted him for a reason. They're going to at some point start him. It's only fitting that Aaron Rodgers gets Brett Favre. Right, because he he started it. Not his fault. He wanted to play. No. I don't blame him. I don't blame you know. But I mean, it's like you said. Uh, if it's not about Aaron Rodgers somehow, Aaron Rodgers will find a way to make it about Aaron Rodgers, and I, I the media just eats it up, and it is, it's it'll be the top story about nothing. So if I'm Aaron Rodgers, this is first off, this is what I'm doing. I'm keeping everything behind closed doors. Oh, wait, right there, right there. I know it's not Aaron Rodgers. It's not Aaron Rodgers. I'm keeping everything behind closed doors, and then I'm just like. What's your plan? What are you thinking? Are you thinking 2021? Are you thinking 2022? If you're thinking 2022, where are we going to be at? Is this my swan song in, in Green Bay? If it is, and I feel like I can still play, let's work out something behind closed doors where I can go somewhere and be successful. Right, right. Um, because let's be honest, Chris. Every year coming out of the draft, you're probably looking at two or three quarterback prospects, okay? Starter caliber right away, two to three. And the offenses in the college are starting to translate to the NFL, which is making it easier, which is why you're seeing a higher success rate. Like Burrow and Herbert come right in. And, right. And, yeah. So, and then you have the obvious, you know, Jameis Winston, Mitchell Trubisky, Marcus Mariota, players who – First-round picks that are backups that are going to want to start, and they're still young enough to to have starting roles. Yep. There's only 32 positions. It's it's almost like a, a um, musical chairs situation. You don't want to be that quarterback where there's no seats left. So I would say, Aaron, have everything behind closed doors. Make a plan. If you don't want that. Well, that I, I it might get real ugly, and you might have to retire. Nah, he'll uh, he's he's still playing at a high enough level where if they were to, if they were to trade him after this season, they could honestly probably still get a first round pick for him. Oh yeah, honestly, if they if, even with this contract, I mean, if you know if 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 Carson Wentz got a second with a conditional first, there's no way Aaron Rodgers, even if he has two years left. Even if a team trading for him says, you know, what, realistically, what do you think you have left? And he right. said two years. Two years playing the way he's playing is worth a first-round pick. To a team that might be on the cusp, uh, to maybe a Tampa Bay team that may need uh, may need someone to come in after Brady if they, if they don't, you know, draft right and get the guy in there through the draft. Potentially, New Orleans. Again, it's just usual suspects because those are the guys with quarterbacks who are kind of aging. Um I'm not even going to say New England because Belichick's not going to pay a first-round pick for a guy for two years. Or or he's not going to pay him either that yeah. much money. And no. number three, he's not going to deal with that. That's true, yeah. They just they wouldn't match up attitude-wise. Or Indianapolis when Carson Wentz fails miserably. We can Wentz can back up and Rodgers can start for him in a few years. They can have two-thirds of their salary cap unhappy in the quarterback position. Anything else? 
No, that's that's it. We can we can discuss uh, Aaron Rodgers again when it yeah we when it pops up again. I, I uh, yeah, who knows? By this time next week, there may be stories of of him requesting a trade. Probably not, but who knows? Uh, yeah, I meant to mention that as a little a little sidebar, and we just spent eight minutes on it. So, um, but hey, Aaron Rodgers is, it's Aaron is Rodgers. always good for for a conversation, better or worse. Antonio Brown. Aaron Rodgers, Odell Beckham Jr. Aaron Rodgers is is so good though because, he, like, he'll have everything going his way. Yeah, and he'll just find something to be angry about. Absolutely, he's like he's like a toddler on the playground who just can't control his emotions. It's like, I have milk and cookies. I just had a good nap. There's nobody on the slide right now. It's a beautiful day. Damn it! Someone's using the swing I want to use in ten minutes. <laughs> like it's just something like. Uh, I have no idea how that ties in, but whatever. Uh, it's really late, and we're recording this much later than normal, and uh, it's been a been a long couple of days. So we're going to wrap this up. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed episode 122. Uh, hope you enjoyed the hockey talk and my fantasy baseball ramblings. Uh, there will be – those will be – for the foreseeable future, those will be uh, things we, we discuss on the show on a weekly basis. So if there's anything related to those subjects or anything else you've heard on this episode or past episodes, we would love to hear from you. And Ben, where can they get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSpod, Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports, or the website, BCTSpod.com. Downloads continue to do well. We greatly appreciate that. We ask that if you have not done so yet and you feel so inclined, please go to wherever you download your favorite podcasts and leave a rating and a review. Uh, and tell a friend. Uh, if you've already told them and they haven't listened, perhaps write them a sternly worded letter and tell them they should listen to the show. Either way, we appreciate the effort. Till next time, for Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.